Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I'd like to take a moment to extend a special welcome to listeners who are joining us from abroad today and also to members of our military who tune in each week from remote outposts. Thank you for your service and also your emails and letters. I'm very grateful for the time you spend with us each week here on the Costa Report. That said, I'm afraid that our guest today is here to scare you a bit. Parmi Olson is one of the top authorities on hacking groups which have successfully disrupted operations at Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Sony Entertainment, Fox, and even the Vatican. Just a couple of months ago, Olson released a blockbuster book titled We Are Anonymous, which takes us inside these cyber insurgency groups. She not only identifies who is behind these attacks, but also what they are really capable of. So if you're already a little squeamish about online banking and shopping, I'm going to urge you to grab her book because by the time I was done reading it, I wanted to close my email account. Before Ms. Olson joins us, let me briefly mention that she studied journalism and sociology at City University in London. In 2003, she became a researcher for the prestigious BBC. And then one year later, found herself reporting the news on Radio Jackie 107.8 FM. By 2007, oh no, no, not 2007, 2004, Olson found herself writing for Forbes magazine. Today, she is Forbes London bureau chief and also acts as a reporter for The Daily Show in Europe. In Olson's own words, she's known for profiling individuals who disrupt technology, which includes both innovators and agitators, from entrepreneurs to scientists to hackers. Olson covers them all. In June of this year, she published the book We Are Anonymous, Inside the Hacker World of Lulsec, Anonymous and the Global Cyber Insurgency, the first book to reveal how vulnerable corporations and governments are to coordinated attacks by hackers. It's my pleasure to have with us on the program today a brave investigative journalist who may be looking over her shoulder along the Internet highway, Ms. Parmi Olson. Welcome to the program, Ms. Olson. Thank you very much. Thank you for that very glowing introduction. 
Well, thank you for this book. First, let me congratulate you on the research that went into We Are Anonymous. I know you must have spent hundreds of hours interviewing hackers and technologists, and what you chronicle is, frankly, it's shocking. And in a moment, we're going to get to the most recent arrest of the hacker responsible for breaching Sony Pictures security. But before we do that, for our listeners who are new to the world of hackers, let's start at the beginning. Who is Anonymous and how are these global hackers organized? Well, Anonymous, what thing that makes it quite intriguing is the fact that it isn't really a group or an organization. Um, and that's kind of what adds to the mystery of it and why it's so difficult for the authorities to track them down, um, because if they try to arrest someone who is a supposed leader in Anonymous, they haven't necessarily cut off any kind of hierarchy or any kind of structure. So it's very much in keeping with a modern-day type of organization, Internet-based, crowdsourced, very fluid, and very, very difficult to define. So when people ask what Anonymous is, um, I usually say that it's it's actually more than one thing. It's it's part movement and part brand. So it's this idea that anybody can actually be part of Anonymous. They only have to go online, check out the chat rooms, check out the blogs, and act- not actually use their real names. And so literally be anonymous within these groups. And you kind of identify yourself with the lingo and with the logos. And you might join in with various operations. But it isn't one big organization. It's lots of little groups working together. Um, like a crowd of people um, with small groups working together within that crowd. And those groups um, are most effective when they use the name that already has this reputation that's built up over the last few years to hack a website, to attack someone online, um, steal their emails and publish them online. Um, And then everybody gets the impression that it's this, this big group that's anonymous. Now, these are ad hoc memberships. Right. Um, and people can come for one day or they can stay for two years. Uh, there's a very broad range of types of people who are part of this. Just based on the people that I've spoken to, there were some who are very, very committed. Those tend to be the organizers. Um, and there are some people who will go for these kind of flash mob-like events. And there have been sort of two of those that I can count in the last four, year, four or five years, one against the Church of Scientology in 2008 when thousands of people came online at the same time and just started hitting the websites of Scientology. Um, And then again in late 2010, once again, when the WikiLeaks story was really big and Julian Assange had been arrested, it struck a chord with the people in the anonymous community and thousands of them came online together to hit the sites of MasterCard and Visa and PayPal. Um, But that's kind of a rare occurrence. Most of the time it's these small groups working together, people coming and going. Well, now, I understand why they hit PayPal, MasterCard, and Visa. And for clarification for the audience, they targeted those financial institutions because they were refusing to allow people to make contributions, online contributions, to the defense fund of the WikiLeaks founder. Is that right? Right, yeah. They had had shut down any way that anybody could, could, could give funds to WikiLeaks or Julian Assange, and there was no way for electronically anyone to be able to contribute to his defense. Right, and it started off with... Anonymous, um, some supporters of Anonymous hitting the PayPal blog, so the PayPal blog went offline, and then so many people got interested in getting involved, and a couple of guys with botnets, these giant networks of thousands of infected computers, 
were able to take down temporarily, albeit uh, PayPal.com, the actual uh, main homepage. Yeah, but what what was the reason for the attack on the Church of Scientology? Why Scientology? Well, that's an interesting one. Um, Anonymous came from image boards, and the most famous image board is 4chan. This is the website that Anonymous came from, and this one uh, particular discussion board called uh, B is the random board. People can go on there and talk about whatever they want and upload images and and create jokes and, and talk about pretty much anything. And in those discussions over the years, from sort of 2004 up until 2008, there were um, people were discussing ways that they could prank other people, they could raid other websites, spam other websites. By the time 2008 came along, the people on this discussion board were realizing, the regulars were realizing they could actually, um, you know, they almost kind of developed this social conscience that they, some of them had this sense that they could steer this horde in a, in a particular direction. And the thing that sparked the Scientology raids was uh, there was this infamous video of Tom Cruise giving an internal interview um, about being in Scientology. And when it was leaked online onto YouTube, uh, the Church of Scientology tried to get it suppressed, tried to stop, uh, send a copyright notice to YouTube to take it down. Um, people with Anonymous despise anything that represents a kind of suppression of, of information online. And when they saw Scientology trying to do this, they wanted to fight back. Um, and so it was just on one day, a bunch of them were discussing on 4chan, on, on the, the discussion board I mentioned, B, um, and it just kind of developed into this almost um, mob of let's go after them, let's let's teach them a lesson, and they just started spamming the website for Scientology, and, and the, the campaign continued for weeks and weeks and months even. So it seems as though that the, the trigger which ignites their uh, cooperation and collaboration seems to be suppression whenever an institution is trying to suppress any kind of free speech on the internet in a way these hackers form ad hoc cyber gangs that will attack a specific target and it seems that their vehicle of choice seems to be these message boards now we have to take a short commercial break when we come back we'll continue talking about growing security risks on the internet you're listening to the costa report Hi, I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli, owner of Caraccioli Cellars. What's the first thing folks say when they walk into your tasting room in downtown Carmel? It's not really a typical tasting room that people expect, especially in Carmel. It's a little bit updated, has a little bit more of a modern feel, but still definitely has that cellar quality and old world touch that Carmel exudes. And it really shows. It's a very sort of romantic and sexy environment. You know, we had a great interior designer and architect, Cy Teller, that brought everything together and delivering something a little bit different than the prototypical tasting room you walk into. And one more time now, where is the tasting room located and what are your hours? We're located right in the heart of Carmel-by-the-Sea, right on Dolores between Ocean and 7th. We're open daily from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. And on Fridays and Saturdays, we actually open up at 11 and stay open till 10 p.m. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. We have an important election coming this November, and I know that many folks are struggling right now. And if you're not struggling, well, then you're just flat out worried. I know that you're hoping that the next president, whoever they are, will have a plan for getting us out of an economic hole that keeps getting deeper. But this time around, the answers may not come from the top down. Something is happening to us, and it is happening to all people in all nations at the exact same time. And that is why I am asking you to take a moment to read The Watchman's Rattle. It's a book that will change the way you see our problems and also the upcoming election. So please pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Do it now. It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores everywhere. You can also grab a copy at Rebecca Costa. But don't wait. Take a moment to get your copy and together let's get our lives and our country moving forward again. On Highway 1 in Moss Landing, you will find the coolest biker shop in the West. JNS's Eagle Iron and Leather Shop is devoted to the American patriotic spirit. It's located next to JNS Surplus and Outdoor Store, which is your camping, survival, patriotic, and military headquarters. On Saturday, September 1st, we invite you to our annual KIA Ride In huge parking lot sale, military vehicle, and bike show with great food, big prizes, and a patriotic flag raising ceremony at midday that remembers America's killed in action military heroes. Live entertainment with nationally recognized band Big Rain with Bruce Wynn and Friends. Major sponsors are Eagle Emblem is Incorporated, Kirby Kirby and Kirby Motorcycle Attorneys, A Tool Shed Equipment Rentals, Good Times Weekly, Fueled by the Fallen.org, A Break of Print, Pirate Graphics, Casual Clothing, Monterey Bay News and Views, and of course, KSCO. Meet Fueled by the Fallen founder and movie star Kevin Major Howard from Full Metal Jacket. Witness the 9-11 Angels, a magnificent mobile memorial. JNS Surplus on the corner of Highway 1 and Struve Road. More information at KIAHonorFlag.org or just look for the flags. Attention job seekers. RDO Equipment Company, the nation's largest John Deere dealer network, will host a hiring open house event with on-site interviews at our Salinas store Saturday, September 8th from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. We're hiring service technicians and a variety of other positions for our various California locations. Please bring an updated resume Saturday, September 8th to RDO Equipment Company, 501 El Camino Real, South Salinas. RDO Equipment Company offers competitive wages, profit sharing, and benefits. For more information, please go to RDO Equipment. Whether you're starting a new company, debuting a new product or service, or you just want to know that you are getting the most out of your existing business, Link Media Partners is here to help. Brand development, media planning, market analysis, focus groups, social media campaigns, and more. Link Media Partners, sales, marketing, and management. Solutions that work. Call 831-295-1849 for a consultation or find us online at linkmediapartners.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is the London Bureau Chief for Forbes magazine, author of We Are Anonymous, an expert on global hackers, Ms. Parmi Olson. And before the break, we were learning that the anonymous organization acts like an ad hoc cyber gang, which frequently uses their hacking power as a way of administering a form of cyber justice. Do I have that right? I would say that's just about right. I would add, though, that most of the people in Anonymous aren't actually hackers. Um, They're mostly young people who have grown up with the Internet, and they spend a lot of time on the Internet, and they understand it really well. And an important thing that it illustrates is that hacking um, or disrupting websites or going to a website and stealing information from that website is a lot easier than most people realize. 
Uh, there are certain tools that you can download off the Internet that people with Anonymous will download, uh, for example, that will allow you to automate certain cyber attacks. They'll allow you to automatically go to a website, um, search for a vulnerability, and then automatically steal data from that website, whether it's a, um, a series of passwords or email addresses or credit card numbers. Um, those kinds of things um, are possible. People do them all the time. The people that I was interviewing for my book were using very, very simple hacking methods um, to steal data from very high-profile uh, companies like Sony and and PBS. Um, a lot of these, uh, not even just these big companies, but smaller companies have these kind of legacy um, IT security networks that aren't being updated. And this is one of the reasons there's lots of vulnerabilities out there. And there's also these young people and, well, people of all ages really are part of Anonymous, but they're being opportunistic. They're taking advantage of those vulnerabilities. I think one of the things that your book brought, brings out so well is that this there's this idea, this mythology of the genius Dr. Evil in the background when, in fact, these tools for hacking are available right on the Internet. Anybody can grab them. Yeah, pretty much. And and also Anonymous creates this kind of, it's a community. It's, it's a network of people. And the guys who become supportive of it and who frequent the chat networks keep coming again and again and again because they find a real sense of acceptance and camaraderie within that network and within that community. And on top of that, they feel themselves getting educated about programming, about um, tricks for, uh, for subverting uh, websites um, and these t sorts of tools that we were talking about just now. And, uh, you know, some of the hackers that I was talking to were saying they learned more just from chatting with people in Anonymous about programming and about hacking than they could have learned, you know, in, in the space of a year from, from a college course or a, from a school course. Absolutely. It's a, it's a club. It's like joining the chess club. You learn more about chess yeah. from other people that enjoy that activity uh, as well. Exactly. However, that has a downside as well, because as I understand it, at least five members of Anonymous were caught because of an inside informant, Hector Sabu. Is it Monsegur? Uh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Sabu is his nickname. His name is Hector Monsegor from, mm -hmm. from New York. Can you can you talk a little bit about that for our audience today? Sure. Well, the main people that I interviewed for the book were uh, part of a small clique of uh, senior organizers within Anonymous who went on to create a splinter group called LulzSec, and they gained a lot of notoriety in the summer of 2011 when they started hitting um, uh, SonyPictures.com, um, PBS, um, they hit an affiliate at the FBI. They brought down the homepage of the CIA. And for 50 days, they grabbed a lot of headlines and just became notorious within the anonymous community. And the leader of this group was Sabu, um, real name Hector Monsegor, a 28-year-old um, programmer from New York City, the Lower East Side. Um, most of the other people in the group, it was a group of about six guys, uh, were in... Um, were in the UK and elsewhere. Um, and what happened was they were very kind of tight-knit group, um, just kind of riding on the sense of euphoria day after day, hitting bigger and bigger targets. They were getting tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter, egging them on. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then one by one they started getting arrested. And it turned out months down the line after the group had dis disbanded and members had been arrested that... Uh, that halfway through the time that they were hacking, 
Sabu had been arrested and he had agreed to turn uh, FBI informant and, and help the FBI gather information on the members of his own team. And more recently, Ronaldo Rivera from Tempe, Arizona, was arrested by the FBI for the Sony Pictures attack. And uh, when, I, I'm not sure about this, but as I understand it, Rivera was also turned in by a fellow hacker. So is this the way authorities are going to vet out these individuals, by getting them to turn on one another like those old police movies? Well, I haven't seen the details that he was brought in because of an inform. I, I know that there was another guy who he was working with, first name Cody, mm-hmm. who had pleaded guilty in April. Um, but you're right that the FBI use informants a lot. And I think a lot of people in hacker circles underestimate how often they underestimate how many people are out there who they're talking to all the time who are informants. And in the case of Sabu, a lot of people suspected that he was an informant just because he hadn't been arrested yet, and he was very fast and loose, um, talking about the fact that he was from New York and describing his background, and um, and yet he wasn't being arrested. And and yet when it was announced in, in March of this year that he was he was an informant, people were really shocked, and, and that was actually one of the reasons why Anonymous has, has been kind of quiet in the last few months since then. Do we border on some kind of entrapment issues here when you're going up on uh, bulletin boards and you're recruiting others to uh, organize a cyber attack? Uh, do we have some issues with entrapment, do you think? Um, that's definitely a question that's been brought up again and again in regards to Sabu because he was an informant for eight months. Mm-hmm. And in that time, he was on Twitter uh, encouraging people to become part of this ant- so-called anti-sec or anti-security movement that he was supposedly leading. On he was recruiting. Network. Mm-hmm. It, it really did seem that way. If you look at his Twitter's history, which is still online, you can read through some of the things that he was saying. Um, there really was a sense that he was inviting people to come and, um, you know, bringing people into the chat network and, and just bigging up the whole the whole movement. Um, so there have been a lot of questions. People within Anonymous who saw all this happening just found, came to the conclusion that the investigation by the FBI is, is quite strange, quite bizarre, that they would allow that to happen. Um, but at the same time, the FBI has said that Sabu was a very useful informant and did help them to um, to gather some very useful in- intel and, and stop other attacks from happening. One of the things your book points out very well is that many of the people that join this ad, ad hoc group where they're picking up new tools and they have a sense of identity and brotherhood and accomplishment, similar to a cyber gang, as I said earlier, um, many of them were under the erroneous impression that uh, if they were caught, it would be similar to a traffic ticket, that they wouldn't be facing 15, 20 years in prison. And that was really sad for me because you could tell that a lot of people had been recruited it looked interesting. It looked like a lot of fun. It looked like joining a, a, I don't know, a more sophisticated version of a chat room, let's say. And they really weren't aware that they were breaking about 1,100 laws and uh, that they could face prison time. And it made me feel a little bit sad for that. That's why I happened to bring up the uh, entrapment issue. Now, we have to take another break uh, to hear from our program sponsors. When we come back, I'd like to talk about what businesses and individuals can and should do to protect themselves. You're listening to the Costa Report.
Hello, my name is Tom Burkhart, founder and CEO of Savant Investment Group. We recently opened an office on the Monterey Peninsula headed by local 22-year resident Peter Truman. Our firm began working with clients in the Bay Area 20 years ago. We understand the anxiety of the typical investor, particularly in these volatile times. We're SEC registered, we don't sell products, and we don't receive commissions. We are fee-only advisors. We have several strategies that focus on cash flow to meet your retirement income needs while reducing the risk of the overall portfolio. We manage accounts for $1 million and above. You can reach us at 1-800-672-8268, 1-800-672-8268, and visit our website at www.savantig.com. Again, www.savantig.com. Thank you. It is loud. It is raucous. It is fun. So get up and go for it. Take the family, take friends, take the entire neighborhood to the rip-roaring racing fun at Ocean Speedway in Watsonville. Don't miss race night at Ocean Speedway. Great competition, great crowd, great food, and best of all, Ocean Speedway is local. If you've never been to the races at Ocean Speedway, you've really been missing out. Don't miss the next race night at Ocean Speedway. At the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds on Highway 152, head to the races at Ocean Speedway. Ocean Speedway is located at the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds just two miles east of downtown Watsonville on Highway 152. Get up and go for the loud, raucous, rip-roaring racing fun this Friday night at Ocean Speedway. Welcome to Automated Computer Services, America's most drawn-out tech support line. For our hours of operation, press 2. To speak with a customer service representative, press 3. To leave a message about how frustrated you are, press 4. Hello, you've reached our complaint department. If you'd like to leave a complaint, press the star key. For verbal complaints, press 1. For threats, press 2. If you plan to use explosives, press 3. I'm sorry, the mailbox for our explosive threat department is currently full. Tired of unfriendly computer support? Hi, I'm Peter from User-Friendly Computing. Visit us today at 505 River Street on the way to downtown Santa Cruz, across from Gateway Plaza. Don't know what's wrong with your computer, but want us to check it out? Mention KSCO and get a free $50 diagnostic. Call us today at 423-9653. That's your friendly computer experts at 423-9653. User-Friendly Computing. Chris, can you put the video game controller down for a second? I can talk and play. Oh, I'm totally annihilating this punk kid in Nebraska. I just feel like you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2! Well, you know, you still ride your skateboard to work, there's the comic book collection, the race car bed. Look, I'm young at heart, but I put money to my 401k every paycheck. I picked up a few savings tips at feedthepig.org. I have control of my financial life now, and that feels pretty grown up. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. For free ideas and easy tips on ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. So, I bet I look like a grown up to you now. Well, except for the footy pajamas, I'd have to agree. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, the California Society of CPAs, and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm here today with the author of We Are Anonymous, Ms. Parmi Olson. And before we went to break, we were discussing the fact that many cyber attacks begin on message boards where FBI informants appear to be bordering on recruiting and many new Internet insurgents and disruptors don't know the severity of the penalties associated with hacking, which can carry sentences from 15 to 20 years. Okay, shifting gears a little bit, let's talk about security. Recently, I happened to be talking to a person who designs and builds prisons for a living, and he was saying that there was no way to build a perfect prison because just about the time you think you have it all figured out, the inmates have found some creative way to break out or tear some small piece off of something and fashion it into a weapon or some such. So when it comes to prisons, they have to keep improving and keep trying to stay ahead of the bad guys. It seems to me that the same could be said for security systems. Anything we design will eventually become penetrable. So have we entered an era where we are talking about having to constantly upgrade security? Um, I think it's always been like that, as you said. I mean, 100 years ago, someone who built a prison thought they were making the best prison, but someone was always going to find a way to get out. And I think today technology is changing all the time at a much faster pace than we've ever experienced before. Um, and hackers are very good at keeping a step ahead of the authorities and of and of security professionals. That's why they're called hackers. They're, um, they're good at finding shortcuts and subverting systems. Um, and... I think pretty much what anybody who, whether you're an individual or if you're a company or an organization with a web presence, um, it really is just a matter of spending that extra bit of time making sure that your network is as, as safe as it can be. If you have, you know, so many of us have many different web accounts from Facebook to Twitter to LinkedIn, and what a lot of people tend to mistakenly do is use the same password for all those different web accounts because it's just easier to remember one password. This is a really big mistake because if you get hacked on one account and someone who hacks that account tries that password somewhere else, you'll get, you could potentially get hacked on other accounts, and some accounts will save your credit card details. Um, so it's good to just use different passwords for every account, try to make them long passwords. And companies just need to make sure they don't see cybersecurity as just another overhead, but really something worth investing in, especially if they're storing customer data uh, on their databases. So, so I have two questions for you. So let me start with the first one. What's motivating these folks? I, if you're in a prison, I can understand you want your freedom. So you're thinking day and night, you're laying on your cot and you want to get out. I, okay, I understand that. Why does somebody want to go get personal information and and disrupt the Internet? What What's the core motivation? What did you find out in your research? There's There's two different motivations. There's so many, but if you had to categorize them, I would say there are two main ones. Um, an example, recently one of the senior writers of a magazine called Wired, a technology writer, had, you know, pretty much his whole digital life torn to pieces, hacked, um, because the guys who hacked his email, deleted thousands of his emails, um, wiped his laptop, did all that because they wanted to hack his Twitter feed and his Twitter handle. He had a Twitter handle that was just M-A-T, and they thought that it looked really cool. They liked the fact that it was just three letters, and they wanted to get access to it. So to get his password, they had to destroy all his other digital um, data. And so there's... So was it kind of a, a prank, like a high-level prank? It, pretty much. It was a crew uh. who 
were trying to break into people's uh, Twitter accounts uh, for the lulls. Um, lulls is a derivation of the abbreviation Laugh Out Loud, LOL. And this is what drives a lot of the guys in Anonymous. And earlier we were talking about 4chan. That's really what the world of 4chan was about as well, was just spending time online, wasting time, um, but enjoying that time because you could have fun um, with each other as a community and perhaps also through harassing others. You know, when you're wearing a mask, when you're anonymous, it's easy to forget about the consequences of what you're doing if you're harassing someone um, or the fact that you might be committing an act which could lead to a jail sentence. You know, there's this, a lot of the guys who got involved in Anonymous got so wrapped up in what they were doing as a group that they almost lost touch with reality a little bit. So um, the hacks that they're doing, it's about having fun. It's about trying to get the next big um, the next big hack, the next um, big thing that's going to cause a lot of attention in the media. But you also have the guys who have a little bit more of a socio-political agenda, the ones who want to make a point. So when Anonymous was attacking um, MasterCard and Visa uh, to defend WikiLeaks, there was a kind of socio-political drive there. You know, in, in, in January 2011, they were going after the websites of repressive Middle Eastern regimes to try and support the pro-democracy demonstrators in, in Tunisia and in Egypt. So there are some elements of hacked, hacktivism there, mm-hmm. um, but a big driving force is, is just doing things for fun. Okay, so you mentioned uh, making sure that you use a different password for each of your accounts so that when somebody gets one password, they can't get into everything, and using longer passwords. What other tips can you give us? Um, well, those are some, if you can do that, that's pretty good. Um, another thing you can do is if you're on Gmail or Google Mail, um, you can use something called two, two-step two authentication. Um, and this just makes it harder for someone, even if they do crack your password and they're on another computer, you would be notified and they wouldn't actually get be able to get into your account. Um, it, it really is just those basic things. I was amazed at how little there was on the Internet about you. Okay. <laughs> was that intentional? Do you keep a low profile on the Internet for yeah. being such a high-profile writer? Was, was that an intentional strategy on your part? Yeah, when I first started writing the book, um, one of the sources who I was speaking to, he's got the uh, name William in the book, told me, um, oh, I've just been searching your Facebook, and you're way too easy to find. Um, I'm able to find out information about your sister-in-law and so on and so forth, um, and you should, you know, you really need to tighten your security settings, and you just walked me through everything that I needed to do to make it possible for someone to not even um, Google me online and, and find my Facebook profile. But And so things like that I, I, I did do, but to be honest, um, I haven't really gone too far in terms of trying to wipe myself off the Internet. I think, um, you know, there is a certain fear about what Anonymous can accomplish, but I think often that fear is, is inflated and it's exaggerated by the guys in Anonymous. They love being feared because for a lot of them that, that gives them a sense of importance and a, and a kind of strange sense of respect as well. Um, which is unfounded. I, I understand. A lot, times, a lot of times what they're accomplishing in terms of hacking someone's email or, or putting their emails online, you know, it gets a lot of attention for a few days, but it's, it's, not, it's not the end of the world. People can always rebuild afterwards. And have you experienced any personal ramifications on the Internet or otherwise since you released this book? 
To be honest, it's been, um, hasn't been anything particularly dramatic has happened to me. Um, on Twitter, I've had some kind of pushback from people on 4chan who don't like people talking publicly about it. Um, but for the most part, it's been pretty positive. People who have spent time in Anonymous in the past uh, have told me that they really enjoyed reading the experiences of other people in it, and it kind of brought them back to that experience, that very kind of thrilling experience of being in it. So, I would imagine if they're, if some of the reason that's motivating them is to get attention uh, and to be successful at being able to penetrate a, an allegedly impenetrable security system, that they would like the attention, they'd like the publicity. I think so. Um, people who are actually in the book... Um, are kind of happy with the way they've been portrayed. But also, you know, when I wrote the book, I didn't necessarily... It's funny you mention that because one of the things that bugs me a little bit about Anonymous is that they do just want attention and the media kind of loves the kind of allure and mystery of this group and and these super hackers. And and that's a profound misunderstanding of who they really are and their Mm -hmm. very good ability to manipulate perceptions of what they really are. They love to play up to this image of being this calculating organization, this global organization, when really they're just lots of groups, of uh, small groups of people who are perhaps bored and using very simple web tools to, uh, to very successfully get attention from the media because they have this reputation and this brand that they can hijack. So, um, well, we do like to romanticize these, you know, we make have made Hollywood films about the Thomas Crown and all of these uh, masterminds, so we do like a good story. We, now we have to take our last break. When we come back, I'd like to uh, get your take on the ongoing case against the founder of WikiLeaks. You're listening to the Costa Report. Just about everyone knows that fruits and vegetables are good for our health, but not everyone knows how to build a healthier plate. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, a cookbook author and culinary expert. For each meal, nutrition experts recommend filling half of your plate with fruits and veggies. Whether it's fresh berries with your breakfast cereal, a wrap filled with your favorite roasted vegetables for lunch, or a medley of crunchy veggies for a pre-dinner nibble, Dole provides the freshest and highest quality produce available. When you load up on all the nutritional good stuff, you give your meal an instant boost of color, flavor, and texture, plus vitamins and minerals and fiber, everything your body needs to succeed. For nutritional inspiration and to learn more about Dole's fresh, whole, and cut vegetables and a full line of berries, visit Dole.com. With Dole as your partner in health, the possibilities are endless. Visit Dole.com. Hi, I'm Judy Profetta, owner, broker, and active real estate agent of Alon Pinnell Realtors, a locally owned real estate company. We've operated on the peninsula for over 16 years, currently located on the corner of Ocean and Dolores and Unipero between 5th and 6th in downtown Carmel. We serve the Monterey Peninsula, focusing on Carmel, Pebble Beach, and the Carmel Valley. Our firm of about 50 agents represents everything from Carmel Cottages to Pebble Beach Estates and oceanfront properties to Valley Vineyards. We are actually known for our vast inventory of fine properties. Drop by and see us, or better yet, visit our website at apr-carmel.com. That's apr-carmel.com. Or you can give us a call at 831 622 1040. 
and make sure you tell them Judy sent me. Don't miss the next exciting Saturday special where MZ takes on the big issues. Huh? How much longer do we want to live in a country where we have so much fear of our government that we're willing to pay them off so that we can live in our own house? Huh? With MZ, it's always thoughtful commentary. <coughs> they say it's very rude to clear one's throat on the air. MZ's willing to listen to other points of view. Please make it quickly, okay? I think it's high time for a commercial break, right? Yeah. And of course, MZ's always happy to make the tough decisions. Given the choice between a life of torture and mayhem and chaos and angst and aggravation versus a life of relative peace, I'll choose the life of relative peace, even if it costs me. Don't miss the next Saturday special, 10 a.m. to 12 noon on KSCO. Hi, folks. How many of you out there love to garden? Wouldn't it be nice to grow some of your own food? Or maybe a flower garden would brighten your day. Well, now you can have the pleasures of gardening without all that effort. You don't need a tractor. You don't need a rototiller. All you need is the Knox Garden Box, a heavily constructed portable elevated garden on legs that can virtually change the way you've gardened in the past. The Knox Garden Box can be set up anywhere. Yes, you can place it right on concrete. For those with bad backs, you've got critters and gophers, no space or maybe no dirt. With the Knox Garden Box, the therapy of garden is now the prescription for good mental health. The way to find your fabulous Knox Garden Box is by logging on to knoxgardenbox.com. That's K-N-O-X, gardenbox.com. Or by calling 831-461-9430. Welcome back to the Costa Report. Our guest today is the author of We Are Anonymous, Ms. Parmi Olson. And before the last break, we were talking about our love affair with the mastermind criminal. And you were making the point that this perception of high-profiling hacking isn't quite accurate. In truth... Uh, very simple tools available on the Internet are frequently used by ordinary folks who come together on message boards to attack specific targets. So now let's talk a little bit about the case against Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. First, let me start out by asking whether there is a case there or is this sexual assault case just plain old-fashioned retribution in your in your view? Um. Well, I mean, it's it really has been a standoff till now. And the latest that I heard, actually, Assange just gave an interview recently where he said that he'd be willing to stay in the Ecuadorian embassy for another 6 to 12 months and just hope that Sweden drops the case. I think he sees that as a possibility uh, because at, at, at this point, um, the U.K. is saying that they don't see a solution as of yet to the diplomatic row. Uh, between the UK and Ecuador. It's just become such uh, a strained situation diplomatically for those two countries. And uh, if Assange is willing to stay in that little embassy uh, for another 12 months, um, who knows? Sweden might just drop the case. I I'd be surprised if he stays in there. I mean, I, I went down there actually about a month ago or a few weeks ago, and it's, uh, it's a big building, but the Ecuadorian embassy is just three rooms within it, so it's really tiny. 
there seem to be other countries joining the Ecuadorians' position right now. Uh, Argentina, for example. Is this uh, in danger of turning into an international event where people pick sides? Um, I don't know. I think I think the UK is going to really try to dampen any possibility that it will turn into something bigger than it already is, which I think there's a real sense that it's getting blown out of proportion. Um, so I think that's why the UK is saying it's become quite difficult to find a diplomatic solution. I think they just want to sort of wait it out. Um, but I don't see how Sweden can drop a sexual assault case. I don't know how they can be pressured into doing that. Well, you know, you would hope that uh, that wouldn't be the way of, of approaching a sexual assault case. I, this is what Assange has suggested, that Sweden could drop it um, if it if it takes 12 months. But, but that's just speculation. I don't know that Sweden would necessarily do that. It sounds like when you listen to what the Ecuadorian government was saying is that their position was that they didn't think he could get a fair trial. And that is why they offered him sanctuary. Is that your understanding? Um, I'm, I haven't been reporting on that case too extensively, so I'm not sure about the details on it. Um, my understanding from what I've read is that Assange had some sort of uh, friendship with uh, with uh, people high up in the Ecuadorian government, and that's one of the reasons why he chose to to um, to seek asylum on their on their diplomatic ground in London. Mm-hmm. If it is the case that he just can't get a uh fair trial, perhaps the uh, British government or the Swedish government can offer a venue where the Ecuadorians, the Argentinians, and and other countries that are rallying to his side might agree that he might be able to get a fair trial. That that seems like that might be a resolution. Would you agree? I suppose so. Um, to be honest, from what I've read, he's had many opportunities to appeal the judgments that have been made against him. So, Till now, the trial, it seems, from a legal perspective, I mean, just just what I've read from legal experts, the trial till now has actually been very fair. So um, I honestly don't know, because I'm not an expert in, in law, that I, I, I don't know where they, they could take it any further. Now, will we see more hacker attacks based on Assange being held captive at the Equatorian Embassy? We haven't actually, we have seen a few um, attacks just recently I think in the last 24, 48 hours, actually, um, some hackers in the U.K. associated with Anonymous hit um, the websites of Hertfordshire Police and, and put up the email addresses for the, for the police department and some other personal details. Um, so things like that are happening, not on a large scale, but looking like small groups or individuals, uh, finding vulnerabilities in websites, and as was the case here, and then kind of publishing it and announcing it in the name of a protest. Assange. Um, we haven't seen anything particularly big um, in the last month or so related to Assange, but there's a lot of people, not only Assange, but also the guys who were arrested um, in relation to Lulsec, um, the guy that you were mentioning in Arizona who was just arrested. We're seeing a lot of people going on trial now and no sentences yet, no convictions. And it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of response we get from the community from Anonymous and from the 4chan community, if there will be any acts of retribution um, in terms of cyber attacks or anything like that. So uh, this could be this could be something uh, that people are not familiar with, but this could be something similar to the OJ sentence in Los Angeles, where there was rioting in the streets, only this would be cyber rioting. Well, 
Yeah, yeah. One would hope that that wouldn't happen, but we've seen things like that like that happen before. And the thing about anonymous is you just can't predict what's going to happen. It's it's in the same way you can't predict, um, you know, what video on YouTube is going to get three million hits or what song is going to be big in the charts. It's very difficult to predict what protest or operation, as they call them, is going to strike a chord with Anonymous and get thousands of people wanting to join in and jump into an attack and just be Anonymous volunteers for two days. Um, It's very difficult to predict when that's going to happen, but we have seen a a few of those instances just kind of come out of nowhere in the last uh, two to three years, so there's no reason to think that that might not happen again. Absolutely, and I can understand why there'd be some intrepidation about when these uh, convicted folks get sentenced, uh, because I think that there's going to be some cyber blowback to that. There, I, I just, I would predict that that is likely to happen. Uh, if they're convicted, yeah. If they're convicted and they get stiff sentences, I think we're going to see some attacks uh, take place that companies and governments may not necessarily be prepared for. It's possible. It's possible. A lot of guys are seen almost as martyrs. I mean, um, one of my main interviewees for the book, a young man um, who went by the nickname Topiary, was just extremely popular on the uh, anonymous chat networks. And when he was arrested, a lot of them um, were making digital posters, putting his face on the poster and the on the body of Neo from The Matrix, um, and just kind of really um, amplifying this notion that he was this kind of martyr in the community. And the worry, of course, is that when you catch these hackers and you sentence them, you put them away, what you hope to do is send a message that the penalty is severe and to discourage people. But it seems as though it could just as likely go the other way and energize the community. I think that's a good point. And even at the, when I was writing my book... Um, people were getting arrested as I was writing it, and I was interviewing some of the people who hadn't been arrested yet, including one young man who was very avid user of 4chan, wasn't quite a hacker, but he wanted to be a hacker, and I was asking him, you know, well, look at these guys with LSEC, they're getting arrested, isn't that kind of putting you off what you want to do? And he said, absolutely not, it's completely the opposite, it, it makes me feel more inclined to become a hacker, to fight back against this. It's very hard, I think, to reconcile and understand the motivation behind a kind of mindset like that. But that is a genuine, um, that was the genuine opinion of this young man who I was speaking to. And I think there are a lot of other people out there who, who would feel the same way. Absolutely. And before we run out of time, let me ask you, where can listeners go to purchase your book? Um, you can go to Amazon.com. Just look up We Are Anonymous and it's right there. We Are Anonymous. I want to encourage everyone listening to the interview today, go out and get this book. It's uh, it's one of the best reads I've had all year. We are out of time for today, but before we say goodbye, let me once again congratulate you on your brave coverage of the cyber insurgency movement. Thank you, Ms. Olson. Thank you very much. If your station is leaving us after this first hour, next week our guest will be arguably the hottest political pollster in the United States. Mr. John Zogby will be with us to analyze the impact the Republican convention and Romney's speech had on voters' attitudes. He'll also delve into what issues are most likely to shape the decision of independence between now and the November election. Don't miss John Zogby next week 
right here on your favorite news program. And by the way, for those of you that caught Mr. Clint Eastwood's speech during the Republican convention, we're going to ask John Zogby to give us a little polling data on that as well, because you know what? He did poll that. He polled that speech, and we need to know what the American people thought about Clint Eastwood's speech following that fantastic, and I'm going to say fantastic, that fantastic commercial that he did for General Motors during the Super Bowl. I know he took a lot of flack for that, and he is a brave man to show up once again in the public eye and take a lot of flack for making a speech, a Jimmy Stewart type of speech, on the floor of the Republican convention. So we're going to check in with John Zogby and find out how Mr. Eastwood did, as well as how Mr. Romney did, and how the Republicans are doing in the independent sector, because that looks to to be the critical vote in the com- upcoming November election. So until next week, I'm Rebecca Costa, and you're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. We have an important election coming this November, and I know that many folks are struggling right now. And if you're not struggling, well, then you're just flat out worried. I know that you're hoping that the next president, whoever they are, will have a plan for getting us out of an economic hole that keeps getting deeper. But this time around, the answers may not come from the top down. Something is happening to us, and it is happening to all people in all nations at the exact same time. And that is why I am asking you to take a moment to read The Watchman's Rattle. It's a book that will change the way you see our problems and also the upcoming election. So please pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Do it now. It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores everywhere. You can also grab a copy at Rebecca Cost. But don't wait. Take a moment to get your copy and together let's get our lives and our country moving forward again. I enjoy watching my kids play together, but it hasn't always been that way. My children fought over their toys constantly. Then I learned a few simple tips from Triple P, like playing games that teach sharing skills and involving them in coming up with a resolution. Now the kids play well together and we're back to having friends over at the house. To learn more about Triple P in Santa Cruz County, Visit first5scc.org or call 831-465-2217. 465-2217. Hey kids, what time is it? That's right, it's happy hour. Hi, I'm Charlie Friedman inviting you to our afternoon get-togethers here on KSCO. Join me weekdays at 4 here on your favorite radio station for three hours of news, traffic, weather, news talk, and a few great 78s from my vast collection. So, listen to Happy Hour on KSCO. Learn why they call me the genial genius of Watsonville. Happy Hour, 4 to 7 weekdays on KSCO. We've got a transmitter, and we're not afraid to use it. News Talk 1080 KSCO. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.